Welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm here live at the Reawaken America Tour. I'm here with Clinton Ollers, and he is uh, the Director of Media Relations for Safe Blood, yeah. which is an awesome, awesome organization because, as many of you know, there's a huge concern with what's going on with the blood. If you needed like a blood transfusion or you have uh, some sort of an emergency and a lot of this blood is now compromised because people have been injected with yeah. this experimental uh, yeah. drug, pharmaceutical, yeah. right? Yeah. And that is, uh, and we've seen the studies, we've seen like the pictures where they show the blood side yeah. by side, blood yeah. that has not been injected and blood that has. Mm -hmm. And just to the very naked layman's eye, yeah. you know, it looks very different. So. To somebody who's trained and who's actually done experiments on this to study the microscopy, you know, it's uh, even more concerning. Yeah. So. Well, you know, um, Courtney, that, that is how we got started. So it was back in August of 2021, uh, naturopaths and doctors in Switzerland, Germany, and, and then in Italy were looking at these blood side by side. And you can see, and you can see this on our website, safeblood.us. If you scroll to the bottom of that page, we've got a still photo. We also have some original video from Germany of them actually doing the test. You can see it live under the microscope. But yeah, your blood should normally be, you know, separated, nicely delineated, clear blood cells. And what happened was you can see how those blood cells would stack up. I mean, like discs uh, just stuck together. And that's because of the spike protein. And they, they would form these spaghetti-like clumped strings. And uh, it's actually called reload syndrome, and that's part of it. And the thing was, is that you were seeing it with such prevalence in the vaccinated, the mRNA vaccinated. And our founder, George Della Pietra, because we're founded in Switzerland, you know, we're in over 31 countries now. We have members in every state of the United States so that we can hook people up so they can get vaccine-free blood. But he had not seen anything like this or analogous to this, except in late-stage cancer patients. And so when I came on, you know, my background, I've got a PhD in history uh, from the University of Pennsylvania. I uh, focused on history of science. And so what led me to Safe Blood was I was very interested in this, you know, total train wreck that we call medical uh, research science right now, at least in regard to vaccines and big pharma and, of course, the suppression of therapeutics. I mean, I, as, as somebody from an academic background, it was far fetched to think that we were as corrupted as we are. And now three years later, we're all older, wiser, you know, but really still in a little bit of a state of shock. So did you yeah. in your uh, academic career dive into the Flexner report and the, the Rockefeller takeover of medicine? No, I was really focused on um, on science and religion and and the biases has crept into science philosophically against uh, against belief in like answer to prayer or miracles or because what I found was it wasn't a. It wasn't an empirical, you know, studies that led to that. It was really philosophical bias uh, that came in. And in that sense, it is analogous to what we're seeing now. I mean, I would say that more people died in 2020 and, uh, you know, since the advent of this vaccine or of the, of the COVID itself, more people died of misplaced trust than died really of the, of the pandemic or even the vaccines, because if they didn't have that misplaced trust in our uh, health institutions, they would have been wiser and um, they would have been more actively seeking things like hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin. And so as somebody with an interest in history of science, I was really interested in, in the present of science because 
it was it was so incredible what was occurring. And if you knew how to look at the data and things, you knew that that something was deeply, deeply wrong. And of course, now, three years later, we know so much more of that. But then what came to my attention was that one of the next areas was the issue of the blood supply, right? I mean, we need we need blood that's safe for people that need transfusions, and we need to protect that into the future for future generations. And so it was just a natural match for me to uh, get on board with promoting Safe Blood's message because you know I had the you, you know I had the academic uh, and the uh, and really the the, the the experience writing on these topics uh, for the past you know two and a half three years. Yeah. Wow. So. What are they what are they working on now? So they're they're working on trying to get all of this blood that's not uh, been jabbed yeah. and not been infected. And then how are they uh, able how what how are they storing it? How are they making it accessible? Okay. What's yeah, so it turns out, you know, uh, when you unleash something like what we've unleashed on ourselves, uh, there there's all sorts of either intended or unintended consequences. Um uh, and the and and it means suddenly you have new challenges that you didn't have before, <clears throat> even in the best case, best of scenarios. And so there actually is right now the kind of the technology that we would need to have a and, and anyone, not safe blood, anybody that the, what the world would need, we need to advance testing methods in order to be able to uh, start having unvaccinated blood banks. okay? So since that is months to, couple years out, at least. Well, I have some good news to report on that. Since that's out in the future, well, we've got people's lives that we want to save now. We have people's health that we want to protect now, right? And so what our founder, George Delapietra, did was he immediately put together within a month of seeing, uh, you know, the, the samples that I described, he said there's going to be a need for blood. So by September of 2021, uh, we were founded in order to match people who are unvaccinated with people who need blood transfusions. So that way we're able to, you know, skip the middleman of a blood bank that isn't ready to go yet and, and just meet the present need now. So if uh, we, you know, we encourage everybody to go to our website, safeblood.us. Uh, it's good to be, if, especially if you know you've got a surgery or something coming up and you need uh, blood. I mean, we can do two things. If you have somebody in your social network, you know, that you trust, you know, they're unvaccinated, you could say, and, and they are a match, they can donate for you and we can help connect and facilitate that process working with your doctor, uh, your medical clinic and so forth. Uh, some people might not have anyone in their network. They really wanna, wanna hook up with us because then we'll find somebody in your, in your area, your state that could, and we have to find more than one person because you need redundancy, right? You know, what if that person were to get COVID and then now they're not a good uh, donor at the right of the time that you need it. So you need, you need backup. And so that's, that's what we do. And then, uh, but the, uh, but you know, there are a couple of challenges. So which for, for uh, like, for example, for emergency medicine, I mean, I don't think most people are aware of this, but it's not even possible for me, right? And I work for Safe Blood. It's not possible for me if I were in a car accident, uh, you know, at some point in the future and suddenly I, or whatever, and I need an emergency transfusion, I cannot get, and you can't get, none of us can get, blood that we know is unvaccinated. It's, it's not currently possible right now because the American Red Cross or internationally, none of the Red Cross will designate and separate vaccinated from unvaccinated blood. And part of the reason is that 
they are so committed to this idea that vaccines are safe and effective that they simply will not backtrack on that. And so all of the blood that's available in supply is going to be 70 to 80% vaccinated. And, and we know, we know without a doubt that some of that blood has been killing people. Okay. I mean, we, we, we have evidence of that. So, I mean, much less the other things that could uh, result from exposure to the spike protein or mRNA. But uh, so that, so what we've done this week, and we've just been announcing it here at the Reawaken Tour, is uh, we've now launched a U.S. not-for-profit foundation to uh, raise funds to do the research, to get the testing, get the infrastructure, get all the pieces necessary to put together a unvaccinated blood bank so that we can have emergency unvaccinated blood. Yes, I, it's so incredibly important. I was actually just talking earlier today. Also, there's a, a concern with uh, a lot of the regener regenerative medicine mm -hmm. because, you know, things like uh, the the PRP, the uh, stem cell exosome treatments mm -hmm. that are both for uh, regenerative regenerative medicine as well as uh, cosmetic use. Yeah. But a lot of those are contaminated as well. Well, right? yeah, so that's I, a huge and people are not testing. People are not asking questions about it. So they think they're going in for this treatment, whether it be, uh, mm. you know, restorative treatment uh, to heal from something or they right. think it's a, a beautifying treatment. But either way, now they're being contaminated. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's amazing all the things that unfold like these are these are things I haven't even thought about. Right. But it's it's amazing how many things are folding this cascading effect. Yeah, so this is... So the, uh, but the blood is yeah. a huge start because that's something well, that's, yeah. yeah. It's a direct injection in your bloodstream, right? Exactly. We know that those who are vaccinated have higher levels of, of uh, spike in their blood. We now know that, you know, it was supposed to disappear after a couple of days and they said a couple of weeks. And we now know that if for some people, the mRNA is circulating their, in their blood, at, you know, up to maybe at least 28 days later. So, uh, so you can, I met a person um, at CPAC who, you know, made me aware that that peop some people who are having like severe reactions are also having spike protein still circulating in their blood two years later. So without the ability to test and to start doing the studies necessary, there's no there's no way to make a safe blood supply. Are they have had they found any indication of what's causing these strange cloth? Because they're not like normal. Oh yeah, so the fibrinogen clots. Okay, so that that is a reaction to the spike protein, um, and but specifically, it seems to be a reaction to the body making the spike protein. So we weren't seeing it, to my knowledge, in COVID patients. Right, they had clotting and they had pulmonary embolisms and they had all these problems. But but these long the clots that and I'll tell you when we first saw the videos on that, I I thought it was fake. I mean, it was so horrific that you just thought this has got to be clickbait. This is somebody put this out there. And then to find out that it was real and somebody like Dr. Ryan Cole, I mean, great interview on the high wire where he is where they're examining this now. So we knew from looking at the blood under, you know, samples that there were going to be problems. But one of the first confirmations of that, you know, science has to be predictive. And one of the first confirmations of that were exactly what you're talking about, those clots that the micro, excuse me, that the morticians were discovering. But the confirmation came in an anomaly that the morticians were also discovering. And that anomaly was that there were some people, not many, very few, but there were cases where you had this in people who hadn't received the vaccine. And the question was, how is that possible? Because it was only the vaccine that was causing this. 
and it turned out there they had had blood transfusions. Okay. Now, again, that's pretty anecdotal and it could be hearsay. But the case that demonstrated it beyond a shadow of a doubt was baby Washington, uh, excuse me, baby Alexander up in Washington state. And if you recall that case, that was a little boy, a newborn who had a congenital heart defect with a 95% chance of survival of the necessary surgery. His parents knew that, uh, suspected, were concerned that the blood not, might not be safe. The transfusion he would need during the process would not be safe for his little body who's not been exposed to anything. So they wanted to make it sure at the very least he got unvaccinated blood. And so they lined it up. You have to pay extra for this. They paid the hospital. And what happened was during a preliminary surgery prior to the main surgery, uh, the, his hemoglobin levels got a little bit low. And so the doctor opted without consulting the parents to give the baby a blood transfusion with blood off the shelf. 70 to 80% chance that blood is going to be vaccinated blood. Within about two weeks, that baby was dead. And if you recall the case, do you, you recall what they, they found on autopsy that he had died from? A blood clot, right? Ran from the knee all the way to the heart. So first off, it's one of those clots we've only seen since the advent of mRNA, right? But secondly, do you know why it came from the knee? The knee was the injection site for the blood transfusion. Literally, where that blood entered that baby's body, and it went straight to the heart. And now, of course, they tried to save Alex with uh, blood thinners and things, uh, you know, anticlotting, but nothing worked. And that's the problem. It's so aggressive, things don't work on it, right? So it's a terribly tragic case. Uh, without it, you know, it would be, I think it would have been hard to prove that this is really what was happening. So that's why you don't want first exposure, right? You don't know. I mean, I haven't been exposed to the mRNA vaccine. Uh, so I don't want to have to have a hospital procedure to then find out, am I somebody for whom I would have massive clotting? Because I don't know, right? So, so those who are unvaccinated want to avoid at all costs first exposure. And those who are vaccinated, we want them to be able to avoid re-exposure. So how can uh, people like find this? How can they uh, support? Yeah. And, yeah. Please go to, uh, go to our website, go to safeblood.us. Uh, you know, if you become a member, even if you don't need it now, you support our mission and what we're doing. We've just launched the, I mean, literally just launched the foundation. So we will shortly have a website up for that. And that's if people want to donate to help make emergency unvaccinated blood available, you know, that's where you need to go. Thank awesome. You. Well, thank you so much. And I'm going to do yeah. another plug for my event. It's Rebels for a Cause. Great. So rebelsforcause.com, June 3rd and 4th, Nashville, Tennessee. Get your tickets below. Yep. Great. Thank you so much. And we'll do a longer forum. We're going to win in a quieter environment and we'll dive yeah, into sure. more of the science. Sounds love great. To hear more. All thank right. You. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.